Welcome to the Starry Sky and Witchy Things podcast, season two. Tune in every Thursday for captivating conversations about life, business, and magic. Created by a cosmic witch for the modern empowered woman seeking to craft a more magical lifestyle. But if you're not a woman, you're welcome too. I'm your host, Alexis Neve. Ready to live life limitless? Then let's dive in. Welcome back. Today is the first guest episode on this podcast and I'm so excited about it. I considered cutting it in two parts, but I didn't want to find an arbitrary point for that and break the flow when you can always pause and come back to it when it's convenient. Our guest today is April Dawn Scheffler. April is a poet author and host of the Sandbox podcast. She's here today as the dream translator, but she has her fingers in a lot of spiritual pies like all my favorite people. On a website, she calls herself a mirror of yourself, which I think is just beautiful, and mentions how she appreciates creativity, the beauty of words, and the freshness of adventure. That on right days, she can also mirror frustration, resentment and depression, don't we all? And how she is on a journey of trying to remember more and more often a connection with love and to reclaim her personal power and to help others do the same. All her links and the things we mentioned in the episode will be in the show notes. If this is not your first episode of the show, you can see why we talked for like two hours. And if it is your first time, welcome. It's good to have you here. I hope you'll stick around. You're just about to find out what I just meant. It's my first time editing two tracks and there's a bit where I may be missing parts of the recording because we go from talking about her fiction to inception with no segue. I apologize. I could have cut out that whole part, but I thought that the conversation itself was quite relevant to the theme, even if it comes out of left field. Lastly, a trigger warning. We discuss depression towards the end. It's funny how I took the Enneagram quiz after this episode was recorded and I returned to having a four wing five result. Also, how the topic of rewriting our narratives using fiction came up and I forgot we talked about that. 
and then I got to experience it myself in unrelated settings. Anyway, in this conversation we jump around a lot in the way you would expect of me, but our main topic was walking with dreams and she shared some great advice for that as well as what you can do to bring dreams into your magic when you're someone who doesn't dream. I'm really excited for you to hear what we have to say. So here's the episode. It came up to me that uh, one thing I struggle personally, and I doubt I'm the only one, um, a lot of magic is around visualization. And I can't drop down into that kind of deep meditative state unless I'm sleeping. Mm. And that kind of got me interested in What's the magic that you find when you're actually like, sleeping and lucid dreams, but also just like in normal when dreams come up and that kind of things. So that's what okay, direction. So I have several thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, one of those is that I grew up in a very strict household. Mm-hmm. And if anyone's familiar with the Enneagram, I identify as an Enneagram one. And that means that there's that really strong inner critic. And so I'm constantly hearing this voice of how things could be better or how things should be. And so I'm always feeling this tension of, or rather this, I'm always experiencing the, um, the difference, like the gap between how things are and how I think that they should be in my head. And so it's a really uncomfortable place to be (laughs) rather than in a place of just acceptance of what, how things are now. It's like, I'm always thinking, okay, I could be better. Things could be better. You know, everything else could be better. And for me, um, I think that's, um, one of the benefits of, of, whether it's plant medicine or dreaming, is that, you know, there for a while I'm taken out of the driver's seat. And so all these filters that I put up um, about how things should be or how I should be reacting or what's the proper emotional response, what is someone else looking for me, you know, looking from me, um, all of those things are, are not there. Like there's no um, filter and it just is what it is. And it's really, sometimes it can be really awesome to not be in that driver's seat and just receive messages and like see things um, that like in the dream state that you aren't really willing or able to see when you're awake. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and it's one of the things that I find fascinating about uh, dreams and it's psychology of dreams. So how did you end up going from such a really straight household to being a dream interpreter? That sounds like a bit of a gap. <laughs> so strangely enough, um, it's funny that you asked that because <laughs> my... I can't remember how long ago it was. Maybe it was six months to a year, but my dad said, uh, you know, both of my parents are still very religious and traditional uh, Christian sense. And he asked me, um, I don't know what it was. He said, 
you know, I thought that that dream stuff was really kind of far out there, but um, I was listening to my Bible on CD and it was talking about uh, Joseph and interpreting the dreams. And <laughs> I was just laughing. I was blown away. I couldn't believe it because for one thing, I had always thought of dreams as universal. I had thought of dream interpretation as universal. Like everyone has dreams and I had known about dream interpretation in the Bible. So to me, it wasn't, I was like, that is the least woo-woo thing that I do. <laughs> <laughs> and here my dad had been getting caught up, you know, tripping on, that I was um, doing dream interpretation when to me, like I said, again, that was like the least woo-woo thing that I I felt I was doing because Again, dreams are are universal to everybody. Yeah, that's the thing. For me, it still feels like um, you're really tapping into your intuition. There's like there is an extent of like symbolism and even logic, and you probably know a lot more <laughs> that than, than I do. But um, it strikes me still as kind of uh, for the line one. Uh, sorry, the line one. <laughs> I was thinking like it was UN design you know, for the Enneagram one. I, I'm a five wing four, so I have the science in mind a bit as well. Uh, it feels like um, still not quite as out there as other things that people do in the spiritual space, but easy to say, do I really understand what this is trying to tell me? Because you're kind of relying on and in, in the knowledge and as a kind of, especially raising some uh, environments like um, very stri- strict Christianity and probably other ones, um, or very materialistic atheists as well. That's my background in in part. Uh, it would be difficult, maybe at the fir- at first to. Mm, I, yeah, I think it, it might, would. I, huh? I, I guess I hadn't, before my dad said that, I hadn't realized that there um, was this perceived jump or gap. Um, <laughs> because to me, I, I've always loved poetry and um, I write poetry sometimes. Oh, wow. And poetry is all about symbolism. So to me, there was no, um, it was seamless. Like going from poetry and like in your, if you're sitting in a literature class, literature class in school, and they're having you break down the symbols, okay, what was the the poet actually trying to convey with this poem? And it's like, you know, some people don't like that at all. Um, <laughs> my my husband was talking about in this English class in uh, college, and on the first day, they said, "Hey, um, write a one." Uh, a thousand words on the subject of trees he didn't go back to class after that <laughs> I could so have done I it like, that's the kind of assignment I would have loved you know give me a thousand word assignment on trees that's awesome but uh, to me there was no it was just seamless transition of interpreting like poetry whether it's mine or someone else's and then um, trying to interpret the symbols that came along in my my dreams as well. I thought it was really, really fun and really fascinating uh, because 
I I love to dig deep. I have a Scorpio rising, and I have a lot of (laughs) placements in in Scorpio's house of transformation. And um, yeah, I have a, of course, that means it's a a Mars ruled sign. I just, I I love to uh, go deep both with other people and with myself. And so dreams is one of those ways to, I don't know, create some depth. with the uh, su- the supernatural or the spiritual experience. So, and I'm not one of those people that dreams all the time. Um, there seem to be bouts of it, like where I'll be dreaming uh, every night <laughs> for a space of time and then nothing for a really long time. And if we had been, if we had talked or had this conversation several months ago, I think it would sound much different, but I've heard several other people talking about dream interpretation and dreams. And one of the things I want to emphasize to anyone who's listening is that if you don't dream, it does not make you any less spiritual. Um, I think whenever you come into the spiritual space, um, I think we have like a sense of envy of like all these (laughs) gifts we want to have all the things we want to see all the visuals we want to do all the pet communication we want to do you know all of the things and um and maybe maybe some people do but what my experience has been is that there are just like in waking life there are or you know like in the 3d experience people have different strengths and um, I think that that's kind of also true when it comes to um, gifts, so to speak, with uh, how people experience and navigate the spiritual world. Um, I've had some a friend that she will very often have, she's very visual with her mm-hmm. meditations and they're like, they rock my world. And so sometimes um, my... Um, my spirit guides or my symbols will come into her dreams to give her <laughs> messages for me. <laughs> wow. Like, yes, that is so, that is so awesome. And it just comes down to, so let me just stop and backtrack a little bit. So yeah, again, not having dreams that you can remember, that doesn't make you any less spiritual. And just because you have a dream, does it mean that it's meant to be worked with or necessarily like not every dream you have. And I think you can kind of feel that Mm -hmm. like if something extra there that needs to be mined and worked with, or if it was just a stress dream and you can thank that dream for helping you work through some of that, (laughs) that stress and then like, let it go. Not every single dream needs to be worked with as well. So, but If you do have a dream and you're like, oh, wow, I've been handed this gift and there's something here that I'm not seeing the whole complete picture. Um, That's when we have a dream that we can work with. And that's when I get really excited. (laughs) Um, I started uh, one of the things that started off my whole trajectory to become the dream translator was a book by Robert A. Johnson. And let me grab it real quick. Okay. It's called... um, That was quick. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it's right. It's right here by my desk. Um, I have like a a big bookcase um, with all the books, and then I have like my special selected small, um, my small selection. And yeah, Robert A. Johnson: Inner Work, Using Dreams and Active Imagination for Personal Growth. So that brings up another thing, like dreams. You know, maybe like half the book, but even if you don't have dreams you can use active imagination, right? It's not like you're left out of this altogether. You can use active imagination to uh, enrich and, I don't know, excavate those deeper parts of your psyche to, I don't know, satisfy those Scorpio (laughs) (laughs) longings, I don't know. Presumably a lot of people listening would um, relate to... The strong Scorpio placements, That's, uh, as I do, I have a moon and Pluto conjunction, the ascendant in the 12th house. So there's my late degree, 12th house. That's yeah. <laughs> a fairly intense being Scorpio rising with that. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, and also I have a Pisces North node. So I feel like all of the woo is following me around. They're like, you kind of need to let go of that logic. It doesn't belong to you. It's your family. And so there's a... There's a... One of the, the, the cool things about this book was that it gave me a structure to work with dreams. Because before then, you know, it, how do you work with it? Um, I mean, I, 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 I love structure as well. And so this <laughs> gave me a plan, a plan of attack. How do we... How do we work with dreams? And so and step one is associations. And so basically what you do, first thing, according to this author, is that you just write down everything in your dream that you can remember, um, like like colors, um, the, uh, what the people look like in your dream, like the places, if you smelled anything, you know, all the details that you remember. Just write them all down. And then you write the associations for those things. So um, so at this point in the process, you're not bringing up that critic or any filters or analytical thinking right now. It's just throwing stuff against the wall. Okay, I have pancakes in my dream. What do pancakes mean to me? Okay, that means, um, I don't know, like Sunday <laughs> breakfast, uh, family meals, a sense of, um, I don't know. I'm just trying to like warm fluffiness. I don't know. So you're just throwing everything out there and you can do that because you know, not everything is going to stick, but this is the time for you to not, um, police yourself or overthink it. This is not the step for that because you might find out later on down this, the process, that this thing that you thought was just kind of like off the wall um, was actually a very pivotal piece in interpreting the dream and, and bringing it all together. So it's really cool. So I really um, re- highly recommend the book and it, it just helps you piece together a process of um, dealing with the dream. And it talks to you also about, okay, well, I have several different potential interpretations how do I feel into which one is the right one? And so I thought it was 
as being a small of a book as it is, I felt like it was very, very comprehensive in how it dealt with things. And uh, one of the things I thought was very helpful is that if you have like several different meanings that you're trying to um, work with or decide which one is the right meaning, um, your psyche, he says, is not going to waste your time like going through this whole process to tell you something that you already known and integrated. So like, it's not going to waste your time if you're, if you're already living something. And um, so you're kind of looking towards, okay, what is something that might be true at first? A little hard to accept, or what is something that um, I haven't been willing to look at? You know, kind of point, what, what points you into that direction? Oh, that was really helpful in stepping you through. There's only four steps, which I love that too, because I have Mercury's retrograde in my chart and I don't have a great memory at all. And I think that has to deal with that somewhat. So even if I learn something, it's really easy for me to forget. So I love that it's broken down into four steps. And um, yeah, I just cannot recommend the book highly enough. And again, if you don't have dreams, then try out the active imagination part to play out some of those um, subconscious themes that are wanting to be explored. I have a question for you, since you obviously do dreams interpretations for others. Uh, it comes from my experience of reading tarot for myself and reading it for others and being a lot better than doing it for other people. Uh, what the, aside from probably the obvious of being able to bypass the inner critic and seeing things that we are too close to see, what would be the benefit of actually working with a professional dream interpreter? Like? Uh, so- <laughs> So that sounds like a curveball. I want to uh, address what you were talking about with the, with the tarot and how it's easier to read for others than it is for yourself. And I completely, I, I pulled uh, a deck, a, a card every morning for myself. And then I also do it uh, for my Patreon um, supporters. Every new and full moon, I'll pull for them and give them a reading. And it is so much easier to to give others a reading um, I always just took that as being a projector and human design, how it's easier to see <laughs> others than it is to see myself. But I think part of that is just universal um, and how we have a certain expertise and we are like our, our, our vision isn't clouded by our own personal experience when we're reading for someone else because we don't know them. Like, I mean, we may know parts of them, but we don't really know like what all the the iceberg underneath the surface. We don't know what all is going on. And so we kind of just have to trust what's going through, what's in our intuition and just go with that. But then when we read for ourselves, whether it's our dreams or our tarot, it's like, um, am I putting a, a meaning on this that it doesn't mean <laughs> all those things? So I think it's um, a fine line in, I've had this conversation with a few other people before, but it's, I think some people, they don't invite others along with them on their spiritual journey uh, because they don't want to feel as though they're giving their, their power away. And I completely hear that. Mm. And at the same time, um, I also feel and understand that we don't really see ourselves 
very well sometimes. So I think that you can kind of marry the two concepts and invite other people in, professionals, that um, can give you more of an unbiased view or perspective. Or And then it really, but the uh, responsibility does ultimately lie with you as to whether or not you're going to, does it feel right? Like when it lands, does it land? Mm. Or does it feel icky or wrong? Or So you're kind of responsible for how you, you know, how you take that. Do you take it as Bible truth, even though it doesn't feel good and doesn't feel right just because someone else said it and, and supposedly they know more than you or they're the professional? Uh, that comes down to your responsibility and be like, okay, I know that they may do this for a living or, and, and I appreciate their input, but I'm going to disregard it because it either doesn't apply to me or something was going on in their life at the time that they gave me this, this reading. But yeah, so I really believe that there's a lot of value to bring other people in um, to help you to give you that outside perspective. Um, because again, the, the friend I mentioned earlier who has these amazing meditations, um, sometimes those happen when I'm in a, a, a low, like a mental health low, and I really am craving that connection to spirit, but I'm, it's just not able to, I feel like it's not really able to get through to me um, because of the place that I'm at. And just having that, I don't know, just kind of like a lifeline in a way, you know, just feeling so um, honored by spirit that they would connect to me through someone else. And it brings in that human element as well mm. and reminds me that we're not really asked to do life completely on our own. It's we, I think sometimes we try to like, have this army of one and <laughs> when it's I don't know to me that's just not been my experience that's not a healthy place for me to be um I really I need community I need friends and um other spiritual I don't know sidekicks to help me yeah when when you're talking about it feels like the whole idea of co-creation it's usually comes out for manifestation, but I think it applies to everything in, in the spiritual space. Because even if you get something and uh, it doesn't resonate and you're like, this feels wrong, that's information. You are responding to that bad quote unquote reading. Then same way we have a good one. So yeah, go this on. This reminds me of, um, I was rare. It's going to sound like a plug for my book. I was, Go on. I was, I was writing my book and I was getting to this part in the story where I needed to know the background. I had two characters and I needed to have a very plausible way how these two people knew each other. And I had put it out there in this, um, on this face online Facebook community group of writers because it was a really welcoming community. You can just put whatever out there and people would help brainstorm and just throw ideas at you. And I got lots of ideas for these two characters, um, but none of them were right. Like it was, <laughs> ugh, 
no, 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 thanks, but no. But you're exactly right. Even though I'm not, um, you know, my, my, my strategy in human design is not to respond. I still find it really <laughs> helpful sometimes to have something to respond to because just by me being able to cross off what was not the right thing, I was taking a shower and it just came to me. So like just knowing the things that it wasn't and it was giving me something to respond to, I think it allowed that space. It created that space for the right thing to, um, the right story to appear. Yeah. So you find there's a lot of overlap being, uh, well, it sounds like a fiction writer. And uh, the dreams you were talking about, poetry earlier, is that kind of like your thing pretty much. Yeah. Working with the symbols and archetypes and all that. I like symbols and archetypes. I like archetypes a lot because it can give you, I don't know, it's that role model maybe that you never had growing up. And so it can give you some role models that granted aren't always perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of these archetypes, you know, they have both shadow expressions and, you know, they have high, high light expressions, but whatever energy you're trying to embody um, in that moment, you can bring to your, you know, to the forefront of your awareness, a certain archetype um, and kind of meditate, contemplate that, what that means, what that looks like. And then you can find yourself being able to um, embody that more. So yeah, I love archetypes. Yeah, going slightly back to the dream you mentioned, you wouldn't be getting dreams that are not, uh, they are about something you already integrated. Um, so is that potentially some, even either with a dream or like setting an intention before dreams and kind of like if you don't remember the dream still happen because that's like how the brain functions or with the active imagination from the book you mentioned? using the archetypes could be a way of uh, integrating something in, uh, on a deeper level. Yes. So at least with the active imagination, it's big on archetypes, um, like the hero's journey and those types of things. <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, yeah, because um, it's been uh, admittedly too long since I've read the book, but what I was trying to remember is like when he – he was describing some of his practices with active imagination. And I really love Robert A. Johnson because he takes a lot of Carl Jung's um, stuff and puts it, not dumbs it down, but <laughs> makes it in such a way where I can understand it because Carl Jung, he was very cerebral, I think. Like, I don't feel like I'm necessarily that... Um, I mean, I don't think that I, I'm kind of book nerdish in some ways, but even this, like it was just going over my head. But with Robert A. Johnson, he's like this beautiful medium or if you want to call it that, in that he just like translates it into real talk <laughs> where you can, yeah. where I'm able to understand it. And so a lot of what he says, he puts his own personal experience in there. And it's like, oh, wow, this is not just someone spouting off a bunch of rhetoric or 
what should be, um, but it, they're they're actually putting their their real life experience uh, out there on the page for everyone to read. Uh, and you realize, wow, they are such a real person with a real human experience. And I think that that is uh, extremely helpful um, for me. I love listening to podcasters and reading books from people who I call real. <laughs> to me, it's just more. It's more tangible. I'm like, okay, the, this person is not, you know, so much more above me where they're not feeling the same things or having the same struggles. And I think a lot of people, including myself, we um, hesitate to be vulnerable um, and authentic because we don't want to be, I don't know, judged, you know, as <laughs> being lower vibrational yeah. or you know whatever the thing is so but I love that he keeps it real and one of the things that he mentions if I'm remembering correctly is that some of the we don't do we cuss on your podcast <laughs> you <laughs> <No>. can yeah <laughs> okay some of the mm-hmm. crazy shit that we do is based <laughs> off of like some neuroses that have been developing because these archetypes are not allowed to live out their stories. So sometimes like we want to be that hero. Okay. We want to come in and save the day and have all these accolades and this very uh, aggrandized type of experience where if we are looking for that in our, you know, Monday through Friday, eight to five, type job and with um, our partner that we've known for years and years where things have gotten comfortable, like you're just not going to experience that same type of action movie romance type (laughs) um, throws of, of experience, you know? And so we can't deny ourselves those experiences because there's a part of us that really needs that. And if we like just suppress it and be like, oh, I don't need to feel like I'm a hero. You know, I don't need to feel like a conqueror. I don't need to feel all these things. Um, Somehow, you know, that kind of just gets packed down into the subconscious and it can kind of reveal itself in very unhealthy (laughs) ways, can manifest in very uh you know, shadow aspect ways instead of high vibe, um, the best way it could be. So one of the things that he did um, on a regular basis was journal. Like he would write himself as the as the hero and the main character and like write these, you know, crazy, unbelievable <laughs> stories about how he comes in and he saves the day and... Um, you know, he gets all the love and adoration and things that he, you know, part of us wants and needs and craves. Um, so he was able to find an outlet for that, an expression for that, and still show up on the 3D, everyday, mundane life as he's needed to be, as a very humble person, um, very service-oriented, very understanding and not needing uh all of that attention and (laughs) things like that. So um, I I love that his take on interpreting dreams and then also working with active imagination. It is not, I found so much 
acceptance in this book and there's another book called we and i love that as well because i think i'm going off on a side tangent here but (laughs) it's about um, the psychology of romantic love and oh wow yeah it's like we're always like searching (laughs) for to be completed and to have this really integrated feeling of being whole and loved and cherished and fought for and all those things and um spoiler alert (laughs) um that is like to go back to my um religious beliefs you know it's it's a god-shaped hole basically that we're trying to fill what is not christian kosher kosher is the fact that um we are god <laughs> right <laughs> so we can um and we are an aspect of that we are an expression of the divine and if we are constantly looking for other people or even other belief systems um that have been codified um if we're looking for those to fulfill this very dynamic ever-changing need within us it's like um okay so yeah i totally got off on a tangent <laughs> that's fine within his books i have found not not a rejection of the evil parts of myself because again as an enneagram one you feel very innately evil and bad like there's something just wrong with you so it was really transformative to not to get the the, the signal that stop rejecting like all of these parts of you and like embrace them welcome them give them a healthy expression give them a healthy outlet explore those things and um com- with compassion and curiosity instead of judgment and outcast them because then they just grow and into these horrible monsters that take over your life when you don't want them to so uh, i'm chuckling here because although you've been talking about ever since you were uh, mentioning the fact you writes himself as the main character was like the spiritual benefits of the self-insert fan fiction <laughs> you're writing yourself in that kind of idealized role within a story that obviously means something to you because that tends like from fiction tends to be something you write on a topic or something else that you read or watched and played with a lot of like ultimate game ones so that's kind of something there on the you know with uh, pisces pisces season it's like yeah we need to embrace the the nebulous the you know what the the, what could be and at the same time bring in some of that saturn energy right and um maybe not get stuck in this weird uh creative thing but kind of at least point in a direction okay let's go let's take this wonderful creative energy and go somewhere with it let's take it this way That's an interesting point, actually, because we're like, what, two days away from Saturn ingressing into Pisces? So, yeah. I mean, the current is stuck in my head. <laughs> Everybody talking about it, like every podcast and conversations all over the place. Um, <laughs> at that point. 
I think that's going to be my my assignment or my goal rather is to marry the two together to marry the creative and my inspirational side as well as that that need for security and for a real life plan and all those things to like try and um, have them complement each other and not make them out to be these contrasting um, conflicting forces, you know? Because yeah. I think sometimes when we get in the thick of the everyday, we're like, why am I envisioning something anything other than what's like right here right now and because nothing's going to ever change i mean we could get stuck in these these scripts in our head and yet um i also know of people who are stuck in that ethereal world of imagination and they're not making any real life um progress towards those things because they again they have the two things like completely divorced from each other or they're not even trying to go from one into the other. So I think they could be a very complementary pair if we, you know, the Saturn and the Pisces, if we can just learn to... To work with that. Yeah, because I, I think I'm thinking of a marriage. Like right now, <laughs> uh, if you were to look at me and my... My husband's human design charts, and you run with the, in the genetic matrix. You run the yeah. right right now. The word for it is escaping me, but where you talk about the sinistry chart. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. We have no complementary channel. <laughs> like we have we have nothing. <laughs> um, and and yeah, sometimes that is uh, a struggle, but at the same time. If I don't expect the other person to be exactly like me and uh, or even understand what I'm talking about and he doesn't expect me to like be really engrossed and try to understand like the things that he's excited about that I care less, like if we just be these uh, support systems for each other and it can be really complimentary and we can help each other grow and um like i don't know it's it can be beautiful yeah it's actually this reminds me i did pull a card for uh this conversation while i was waiting because i'm making my coffee so second coffee of the day which is really rare but uh, my insomnia gets worse before the full moon so i'm starting to be like i'm not sleeping i'm getting really strange dreams and um wake up really tired not wanting to get out of bed and it was a div four of cups and now it came back to mind because of what you were saying about our expectations there is that kind of really tricky balance between not settling for less than our vision but at which point is our vision so out there that we are forgetting what's in front of us and good and something that maybe we should reach out and have because we are living into that dream world that's it even like our language goes back to that it's it like really universal and I, love the, and I love the numerology of four um 
I've taken a numerology course. It was called Be Your Own Numerologist. And it goes back to, I loved the teacher's perspective because she gave us um, the basics and like her take on everything. But the responsibility landed with us telling us like whenever we do like numerological blueprints for someone else, like it's our responsibility to take what she's taught us, but um, like whatever feels more right to us. And I love that permission because after taking her course, I was reading a different book and it had a different take on how to calculate some of the numbers or what they meant. And I actually um, resonated more with the second book that I that I read. And so instead of feeling guilty, like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm, I'm going off the tracks here against, you know, um, this Bible of a of a, uh, a curriculum I was given, you know, I already had that permission in place to be like, okay, you know, it, it can grow and change with you. But one of the things that um, I love about the number four is that it is the number of structure. So I, I automatically, you know, associate Saturn with the number of four just because of he loves structure. And I think sometimes we fight <laughs> structure. We want, we just Guilty want of that. Flow. Like this romantic version of us just wants things to happen and flow. It's like faded. You know, if it's meant to be, it will just happen. And, you know, the love of our life will just know what we need. <laughs> and they'll provide us with the most intuitive, thoughtful gifts because they've been watching us, you know, <laughs> those kinds of things. When honestly... A little bit of that structure, you know, bringing that in is, can be really helpful in moving you like a, like a horse drawn carriage. If we're talking in romantic terms, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's that, that structure that can carry you from where yeah. you were to where you need to be. And it doesn't have to be any less magical, but you do need to put wheels on it and <laughs> figure out, you know, how you're going to get from point A to point B. and then goes back on what do you do we define as magical because an argument there could be weird magic that's in our power and we're building that carriage to take us and the horses and everything and that's still magic it doesn't have to be external in a way it's um if we're all a fragment of the divine then what we do matter in that respect over and over again (laughs) as someone with a mars ruled chart um it to me it's all about it's all about action like in the (laughs) external world it's all about movement i I need to see stuff moving like i need to see progress i need to see that things are moving along in order to feel like the sense of Okay, satisfaction, okay, or everything's okay with the world and I'm okay. So that has been a constant journey for me is to give myself that quiet and that space to realize that I am the magic and I don't have to do anything. I don't have to do shit to be (laughs) magical and to be accepted and to be, you know, I don't, yeah, so that's going to be a... It's been and will continue to be a a journey for me to um, to do that. It's just quite ironic because arguably of all the signs, I'd say Pisces 
and Scorpio would be like the most naturally magic and kind of dream like that. So you say Mars rule, and I know that's the Scorpio rising, not an Aries rising. It's needing that lesson coming from another one. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? And sometimes we we're too close to ourselves to see it. And we need a mirror from somebody else. Just um, I think like a lot of this podcast is just like literally me talking to myself. Not because there's nobody listening, because there aren't actually really grateful for everybody who turns up week after week. But it's kind of like me putting it out there and kind of like attracting people who are like, actually, I relate to this person because he's going through a number of things that we're going through. And kind of like a universal experience, the same as say. Well, I'm saying the same as dreams, but then I guess dreams are just symbols of the same emotions that we feel in the waking life. Yes, kind of. Yeah. In a, I mean, to an extent. I think who, whoever you work with, uh, when it comes to the dreams, if you're um, having someone tell you this is what your dream means, then you're talking to the wrong person because. Um, I mean, someone can definitely tell you what they think that th your dream means, but again, it comes down to you as the dreamer. You hold the Rosetta Stone. Yeah. So you're the one that has the lived experience for these symbols. And so only you can really know, like, if there is the color blue. I mean, there, there can be several different, you know, you can go... Like a dream interpreter, we can automatically go to the, you know, the, the, the chakra that's the blue, or we can go to different things. But maybe to you, in this context of the dream, it has a very specific connotation that someone else wouldn't know. So you as the dreamer, you have the Rosetta Stone to translate your own dreams. And so if there's ever any conflict between what you think a dream means and what the expert, in air quotes, <laughs> What they think your dream means, you always go with what uh, your interpretation of the dream is. But yeah, it can be super helpful to get outside perspective. Um, one of the things that I have found really helpful is creating a dream circle of people that you really completely trust. Because... <laughs> You're not going to share dreams, like, if you have the kind of dreams that I had. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just You're thinking of a specific person with people, with people her dreams. That you, that you kind of trust or you might trust. No, you need to have a, a dream circle of people that you have tested and you know that they are in your corner and they're not going to be like, you dreamed this and, like, <laughs> you must be such a bad person. No. You need to, they need to be the kind of people that have your back. They love you. They're excited for you and your journey. And you're not, they're not going to give you any side eye, right? When you, <laughs> when you like explore your dream, because you're also going to be giving them permission to do the same. Like I had this really um, disturbing dream and I just feel like there's something there that I'm not seeing. And you know, like you share it with the group. I think sometimes that's really helpful to be able to have that permission. And what I like about having the dream circle is that it takes the pressure off of any one other person um, who may not have the bandwidth at that time to like really mm -hmm. sit down and break down your dream with you. Um, so, but there could be someone else who, who can, who has that time, who has that energy, who has that bandwidth. 
to be able to help you. And they have like some really interesting insight on this particular symbolism in your dream that someone else doesn't have any experience or exposure to. So building your safe space, your safe container. And, um, you know, I have a few uh, suggestions when you're creating your space. Like one, one good thing um, to have as a, a guideline is to have everyone put a title to their dream. I don't know what it is about making <laughs> putting a title to your dream, but it's great. So you have a title to your dream and then you type it out um, into the group container. One of the things about verbally expressing a dream is kind of problematic because people can tend to ramble, right? <laughs> like they're trying to pick pick pieces from their dream and like put it all together. When if it's written down, it's already done for you. And so you're being respectful of other people's time. And then also other people who are looking at the dream, they can come back to it at any time and they're not having to scrub through the, you know, the, the audio to get to the you know, a certain point. It's all right there. And sometimes seeing a word will like jog a memory and like, oh, wow, that seems actually really important as opposed to maybe just hearing it in a thread of conversation. Maybe that's just me because I, I like written yeah. words. <laughs> but you title it, you type it out, and you put it in present tense. So that putting it in present tense puts you in the shoes of the dreamer where it's like happening to you in this moment. Um, because as soon as you put it into past tense, some of the magic is gone. Some of the <laughs> uh, the urgency mm -hmm. is gone. And so make sure you're writing the the dream in present tense. And then every and then make sure that everyone else who responds, they are saying, if this were my dream, and they yes. and they go into it, I I would be doing this. I would take this as this, um, because. Um, it's really complicated when you're asking someone else to interpret your dream. It is so much easier if you have someone take on the dream as their own. Oh, it's like oh, wow. a submission. It's like, oh, wow. I don't, I'm not <laughs> trying to act as this um, expert or like tell you what this means for you, but it's so much more comfortable. Oh yeah. If this were my dream, this, this is what it means. And this is how I respond. And, this is how I would integrate it. And this is how I would take it forward uh, into my waking life. And um, so I find that really helpful. And then to me, just having a, not an open-ended timeline, like <laughs> something about it. I love to have a space opened for a dream. And then, um, hey guys, if you want to, uh, have any comments that you want to put in there before tomorrow evening at nine o'clock central time, you know, I would appreciate it. Um, because it kind of creates a closed container. I don't know. It just feels better than leaving it open-ended. And then, cause it never really feels complete or it just feels weird somehow. To me. <laughs> so if you can create a closed container, um, or dream interpretations, and don't take it personally if there aren't, if there isn't any feedback, you know, sometimes people don't have, again, the bandwidth, you know, they just have so much going on in their own world or 
they're as clueless as you are. And that can mean simply that you are to hold this dream and the meaning will be revealed to you like later. I mean, sometimes that happens. Like it's not meant for you to know in that moment what it is, but it's mm-hmm. meant to kind of hold that that anticipation, that one, <laughs> that sense of wonder around it. So that when you do get the key to unlock it, it's that much bigger. It like has that so much more of a oomph feeling to having um, unlocked the mystery of that dream. Oh, wow, that's, that's a really lot of good advice. I'm actually like, really honored that you, you shared that with us. Uh, do you have any final thoughts on Kandu? respect your time and uh, I see that we've been talking for a really long time but by my standards I tend to uh, at least my solo episodes being under the half an hour because I don't have anybody interesting to talk to other than myself in, uh, in that in those ones so uh, I, I am free to talk for a while longer <laughs> I don't, some dreams that there are some dreams that I have not yet figured out. Like I don't know, um, and I've mailed in my dreams to other people. Okay, that that does remind me about something I wanted to say earlier. Um, if you go to my website, it's uh, thedreamtranslator.com. I have on there towards the bottom the uh, the dreamers toolkit, and it has on there several different things that I suggest. Um, one of those is a podcast by Dr. Michael Lennox. And every single week he does the astrology forecast. And then the latter half, he always interprets a dream. And he is so inspirational. He is so masterful in how he, it's inspirational. It's like, wow, I don't know how he does it. It's amazing. So um, just hearing someone else go through the process of interpreting the dream, it it can help you become more masterful interpreting your own dreams as well. So like, for example, one of the first most basic things that you'll learn um, from listening to his podcasts on dream interpretation each week is that a house represents a sense of self. So, you know, if you're in a hotel room, that is a sense of self that's in transition, right? You're not there for a long time. You're, you know, what if you're in your childhood home? Maybe you're in a sense you're considering you're in consideration of a sense of self from your childhood, like the person that you were in that um, family of origin dynamic. You know, so you can get clues as to like what type of house is it? Something so basic, right? Yeah, Seems like it always just... starts off. I'm, you know, in my house, but um, there's this extra room I never knew was there. And... <laughs> But it's filling up with water, <laughs> you know, those kinds of things. So you just, you just start to acquire your own lexicon to interpret dreams. Okay, so a house is a sense of self. What does that mean? Okay, what is water? Water means emotions. Is there a lot of water? Is it overwhelming? <laughs> yeah, maybe that translates into I'm having this really overwhelming emotional time. Or maybe there's not enough water. You know, maybe I'm... <laughs> Maybe I need to turn on the uh, faucet and let some more, uh, let myself experience more of the emotions of it. You know, so once you start building your own lexicon to what dreams mean, and 
you have this basic structure again it goes back to basic structure and then you can put on your finishing touches okay this is what this means and it just starts to become a very eloquent love letter from the universe sometimes to help you um, process things that again maybe are too painful or you're just not willing to look mm -hmm. at or yeah <laughs> you're kind of there at the uh, whim of your your dreams so um yeah. it's a great time <laughs> to get yeah. a lot of that um, that integration and other stuff done so yeah i think you touched on this before when you don't remember your dream or it fades immediately upon waking your brain is doing a lot of that stuff on its own your body your your magical self it's taking care of that like you don't have to fixate on <clears throat> hold on one second <laughs> that's right you don't have to fixate fixate on the fact that oh i'm not having any crazy dreams and i must be less of a spiritual person <laughs> than this other person over here i think we've i've experienced that both on both ends of it feeling very uh, jealous like of these spiritual gifts like oh my gosh this person must be so much more spiritual than i am because they're having this experience or they're able to experience spirit in a certain way whether it's visuals or hearing things or you know just having a very natural gift with uh tarot um you know it's just like yeah. all these different things it's so varied and it doesn't make sense it makes more sense for us to appreciate and acknowledge each other's gifts and incorporate that into our own practice to help us along the way but yeah don't feel bad if you're not having dreams because your magical self is taking care of a lot of this stuff all without you having to do anything yeah, I feel like I must be in the minority on that. But when I do have a dream that's just like so lucid and vivid and I remember it when I wake up, I'm just kind of like, no, now I need to do all of the journaling and all of the digging because I, I haven't resolved these things. It's usually something to do with my mother. So I'm kind of like living through a conflict that's gonna come up or that has come up in the past and that still kind of never really stood up for myself and that tends to be like the theme that I sense as someone could do I think if I do have one that clears it is clear sensing because I just know things and feel things and never hear see or any of that so I do sympathize with everybody feels more spiritual and gifted than me but I, I do kind of like finding when I wake up and do remember the dreams because it feels like it's unfinished, that there's something else there that it's good knowing that maybe it's unfinished because I can know that um, meaning on my own or because I need something else to happen to get that key. So. And then I know, but, also yeah. know of some people who are able to do that lucid dreaming where they're able to... <clears throat> kind of revisit that dream and actively direct their character yeah. in the dream to kind of I can it. do it you can do that this yeah although awesome. I can't do, do it if I try it's ah. it's one of those things so kind of like when someone puts you on the spot and something that you really know well and you kind of like go completely mind blank that's if I try to do something it's never gonna happen if I don't try sometimes it comes to me so I will have 
a dream that starts in that same way and then I'm kind of like I didn't like how this ended the last time I'm gonna fix it it's not very common but uh, it's uh, one thing I've been able to do well, and again you create your own um, <laughs> active imagination when sleeping yeah that too and then um, one thing I don't know that I mentioned um, about the dream circle these are my experience it's been helpful to have one person as the moderator and so if um, people have a dream, they will send it privately to the moderator. And the moderator, you know, make sure it has a dream, I mean, a title, make sure it has a title that it's in present tense. And then she will, um, or he or they, um, but all the, all the people in my group um, identify <laughs> as, as she, she will um, like submit a dream and say, Hey, our dreamers, um, this is our dreamers. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Our dreamers story and give the title. And that helps prevent like, uh, dreams being stacked on top of each other. Um, but then also like someone, there can be a dream that's active that people are working on, but you can go ahead and submit your dream to the moderator so that whenever the other dream is closed, she has another one to present to the group. Okay, so now we're working with this person's dream. So it, to me, it just helps to make sure, maybe someone who's a little bit more anal about rules, <laughs> you know, to like have them Call be the for the burgers amongst us. To provide that structure again, because we're not trying to kill, you know, the whole Pisces dreamy type thing, but we are wanting to give it a structure so that it thrives. So a container in which like little potted plant like to, to yeah. let it thrive even better it is very timely given the fact we were discussing such an impulse is coming through but also my joke on virgo that is the axis that's the reason why the signs have an opposite one because that, you need that balance you need that container for things to not get lost you have i like to think of creativity and intuition and all the kind of like spiritual side of ourselves as a river you don't have the water flowing but you have a river bank so there is that direction in which you're going you're not just like dispersing like you've dropped a glass and you're just going in every direction and you're gonna get spread too thin and nothing's gonna happen and we could be spending another hour talking about that and all of the divine feminine and masculine and all the conversations since we are, well, four and years away like, from the new paradigm human design, isn't it? 2027? 2027. Yeah, I was going back to your issues with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know the, um, the Mighty Networks group or not, but... Um, I had put out a call for people who have an unaspected planet in their natal chart. Oh, yes, I actually had seen it earlier. No, no major um, aspects anyway. Because um, I was thinking about doing a, a podcast episode on that. If I can get enough people, you know, anyone to That's join. Fair. Huh? Sounds like a kind of rare situation, isn't it? You might think that, but then I was like looking at people's, uh, a few people's charts. Not that they would come onto the podcast with me. <laughs> But um, I got interested in it because I have an unaspected moon. And um, I was reading in some uh, like Facebook Taurus moon group, because I have a Taurus moon, um, 
they were talking about how their aspect to their moon was a really um, challenging aspect. And how <laughs> the, the moon can symbol, symbolizes our mother, you know, in our yeah. uh, natal chart. And that they were t- uh, drawing the conclusion, you know, this, this challenging aspect must be why, you know, my relationship with my mother is so complicated. And I'm like, well, my lack of aspect to my moon must explain why I feel completely separated. Like, there's no <laughs> points of relevance. Like, I, I struggle to feel, you know, any sense of, of connection. It's been really struggling because, again, the Enneagram 1, I should be feeling this certain way. Like, my relationship with my mother should be warm and fuzzy and, like, <laughs> we should... I should call her when I need help. And that is like the last thing I do. I don't, it doesn't even come up to my mind, like to ask her for advice or for help. Mm-hmm. Or, but that's with my, my parents too. And I did a, an internet search on what do unaspected planets mean. And uh, one was that if you have an unaspected moon, it can uh, signal a lack of, it, it can signal disconnection from both of your parents. And that has definitely been the case for me. It's like, and it, it really sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, because that's not the way I would would want it to be. And I was really afraid because um, I have a daughter of my own. I was really afraid as I became a parent that without this lack of connection to my parents, that somehow that would translate into a really complicated relationship with my child. And so thankfully that hasn't been the case, but, um, yeah, I started looking at my brother's chart <laughs> and, um, he has a couple of unaspected planets and then there's someone else I know who has an unaspected this or that, but one person's chart that I looked at, it explained a whole bunch because it wasn't an unaspected moon, but it said, this article I was reading, that an unaspected planet can kind of indicate that this energy, because it's not in conversation with any of the other planets, it's not hemmed in, so to speak. So it's just kind of running amok. It can kind of take over the chart. Like, it's not checked. And so you would kind of want to look at um, the sign that that plant is in and the needs of that um, sign are going to be more pronounced in that person's chart. Well, this person's chart I was looking at has an unaspected Mars, <laughs> the sign of Aquarius. Okay. This explains so much to me because uh, Mars being the planet of war and it not being in conversation with any of the other planets being unchecked And it's in the sign of, like, social causes, right? (laughs) Yeah. There's been lots of um, material for someone uh, who, with an unaspected Marius, to to be angry about and all those things. This person, I had felt, you know, unsafe around them. Um, Yeah, during certain parts of uh, the last several years because... Um, it, it was kind of made mention of that the people 
who did who didn't believe the way he did that they were wrong and that they were he he put all kinds of labels on them and said that they should be scared to leave their houses and so and I was kind of like maybe putting I had kind of put myself you know, more in that camp than somewhere else and I was like oh my gosh this is this is scary like this person that I love and I trust and what the heck is going on? And then like to know that they have an unaspected planet of war in the Aquarius where it's just kind of, someone like that would just need to be very careful of the shadow aspects of that type mm-hmm. of and realize that, you know, wrong doing, like two wrongs don't make a right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, with my unaspected moon, and I'm sorry, this is probably you can cut all this out if you need. That's fine. That's fine. Go on. <laughs> this is so interesting. <laughs> Do this word vomit. Um, <laughs> found out like with my unaspected moon that those kinds of people can be like flip flop. They can either be like really emotional or closed off, and that is that. It's me too. It's like wow, <laughs> I just felt so so seen and pinned by astrology it was like oh this is uncomfortable <laughs> it was really cool at the same time oh shit <laughs> at the same That's too true. yeah, yeah. I it goes back to what we were talking about with the archetypes and integrating things because now you have some knowledge you can work with on yourself and can do predict how you could behave and choose do i want to go with my light side do i need to step into the shadow side usually the shadow side you should be integrating it but sometimes it's it's good to step into it especially if it's kind of like used to be repressed and then the first thing that you do is feeling it for measure kind of like sorry how does it fit to be on the opposite side from when you were kind of like pushing it all down and having all the light that wasn't really light because it was just kind of like the shadow was repressed rather than kind of like the light side when you have it integrated and then you kind of like step forward the two things and which goes back to the the moon aspect i can't remember if i said it after we had already started recording or if it was before that i have the conjunction between the moon and uh, pluto with my ascendant and i feel like like one of the struggles that I had growing up and I still have despite the fact that I'm quite old now separating my identity from my mother because she kind of really needed everybody to agree with her to feel like whatever she wanted whatever she liked and everything about herself whatever makes her her was acceptable as long as other people agreed with that she would feel acceptable so the entirety of her self-esteem was built on having me as like a mini her. Just so I look at and, and they're beautiful when I see them. I mean, like the mummy and me clothes and things. I was just kind of, but it just kind of like a bit icky. triggers that thing. Because obviously, if someone else has their identity differently, they probably kind of can do it without all of that baggage coming through. But yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And so, so I never really thought of it consciously until you were talking about that. And I was like, mm, makes sense now. Because my identity yeah, really tied in on the moon. Yeah, and then that, that um, Saturn and then the moon right there. Just, uh, yeah, we've been on for a while. 
So uh, I don't know. Anything else you would like to say? And feel free to plug anything. You, you mentioned your book. So is it out already? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I actually had this on my, my short list over here too. It's called Sandra, a healing reimagining of the babysitter from hell. Oh, wow. So it is an autobiographical fiction. And I will be um, leading out in a workshop at this ecstatic forest festival that's coming up next month uh, near Austin, Texas. I'll be leading out a workshop on how to, just how I went through the process of writing this book, rewriting my story. Uh, we were talking oh, wow. about the whole, um, the whole aspect and the tool mm -hmm. that writing can be. It was taking um, a difficult chapter in my life and rewriting it. I wrote, I wrote a hero into the story. So that's very interesting. Now I feel like I'm gonna kind of push the episode <laughs> and kind of like have a bit out earlier than the original plans because that's really timely. And <clears throat> for some bizarre reason, since obviously I'm in the UK, I have an awful lot of people listening from the US. So there may actually be someone around your area. Uh, is that something in person? Yes, you mentioned here. It is in Austin person. Pets, so yeah. Yes. So yeah. there could but, be someone um, around. I have that book that is um, available on my website. I have. Yeah. Um, so I know I, I mentioned the dreamtranslator.com. That's, um, that's also available, but you can go to that website from my main umbrella site, which is my name, aprilific.com. And I have to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go on. Can't. It's. And. Like Inception, dream within the dream within the dream. She's a funny thing, is that okay? I never actually watched the film, but mm. that's such a big part of like. Oh, I'm getting on twenty percent battery. Um, it's such a big thing that pretty much everybody would know about that and understand dreams in in that sense. So, so you were saying that it's universal. It really is, isn't it? Oh, I'm enjoying this conversation so much. I could keep you the entire day. But <laughs> obviously, there's, I'm sure that we'll have plenty of other opportunities. Yeah. <laughs> much. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. And... It's been such yeah, a pleasure to. We're a cult. We're a cult. My.
Thank you for spending your time with me today. I really appreciate you being a part of this community. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving it a five-star rating and review on Apple or Spotify to help me reach more people who would love it too. You can also email me with your questions and comments at starryskypodcast.gmail.com. Subscribe to my monthly newsletter, Witchy Musings, on Substack, or find me mostly lurking on Instagram at thisisalexisneve. Thanks to Jenna Sword for the cover art and Papa Planet for the music. Until next time, keep living in wonder.